Good morning, Livingstone Church. This is Pastor Josh, and I'm so glad you can join us this morning as we gather in our separate locations to worship the Lord. As we begin Holy Week today with Palm Sunday and look forward to Good Friday and Easter Sunday, I think there is a particular sense of longing, of realizing that we are missing something, maybe feeling like something has been taken from us. And I want to encourage all of us during this time to not just stuff those feelings. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to lament and weep and mourn at our inability to be together, to celebrate together. And we'll be talking about that a little later on in the service with our prayer of longing for the Lord's Supper. But before we prepare our hearts for worship with our call to worship, I do want to share a couple quick announcements with you. These things have been communicated over email during the past week. And if you are not on our email list and would like to be, please send an email to info at livingstoneoshkosh.org. And let us know that you'd like to be put on that list. The first announcement is that Zach Fraser sent an email about the need for volunteers at the Oshkosh Area Community Pantry. That email included contact information for Jordan Wind, who's the director there, so please contact Jordan if you are available to volunteer. Second, I sent an email out on Friday about some opportunities for prayer and fasting. The PCA, along with some other denominations, are having a day of prayer and fasting on Good Friday. There is also a 30-day prayer guide that is uh, on that same website that you can download. Third, related to Good Friday, we will have a Good Friday Tenebrae service on Zoom at 7 p.m. this coming Friday. An email reminder will be sent out this week, and the information will be on our website and on our Facebook page. And just a reminder and encouragement to please be checking your email regularly for updates from the church. Uh, we'll be posting event and meeting reminders on our Facebook page but often there's more details to communicate that are best communicated over email and not everyone is on Facebook. So please try to pay attention to those emails. And finally, our congregational check-in zoom calls will continue. They'll be continuing each week. Uh, this week it will be on Monday at 7:30 PM and it's the same link that we've used the past two weeks. So you can find that in your emails. Uh, we'll send a reminder out as well. Uh, the men's and women's times are also this week, so be on the lookout for announcements for those. Okay, well, that's a lot of details, and I thank you for your patience with all of that. Let's take some time now to turn our hearts and our minds toward the Lord as he calls us to worship. This is a call and response. I will read the celebrant part and the people parts. Um, you can follow along with me on the people. Cry out, people of faith. Rejoice and praise God. If we did not sing praise, the very stones would cry out. Cry out, people of faith, for your Savior draws near to Jerusalem. Hosanna, God saves. Blessed is the one who comes in God's name. Blessed is Jesus Christ. Who did not turn back for fear of the cross. Let us praise the God who loves us, sharing Christ's sufferings and facing with courage our path of faith. Hosanna, God saves. 
Blessed is the one who comes in God's name. Hosanna in the highest. Let us pray. Father, we praise you that you are the one who saves. And we praise you for your son who came in your name. Hosanna in the highest. We praise you for Jesus who came, who did not turn back for fear of the cross, but who went to the cross willingly and gladly and laid down his life for us and opened up a way that we could be reconciled back to you, that we could become children of God. And so we are. And Father, we celebrate that. We gather together this morning as your children to worship you, to praise your holy name, and we praise you for your grace. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's continue to worship as we sing our first song, All Glory, Laud, and Honor.
The events of the past few weeks have certainly changed our lives. And like any event of this magnitude, we see the potential for it to bring out the best in people and the worst in people. We're seeing those in the medical field serving tirelessly to provide for those who are sick and dying. We're seeing people volunteer, like in our own community, to help with food distribution. But all the good being done is not able to mask all the ugliness that comes out when we don't get our way. I just think about my own initial reaction this week when I learned that Amazon Prime was delaying shipments of non-essential items. Like, who are they to say, that isn't essential for me? And how dare they not get that to my doorstep within the next 48 hours? I've been thinking, on a serious note, I've been thinking a lot about James chapter 4, verses 13 to 16 this week. And I think these verses are especially relevant for us during this time of pandemic. When all of our plans, not just our March and April plans, but most of our summer plans, and really we don't know beyond that, but most, if not all of our plans, have been completely erased. We need to listen to James's indictment, and we need to realize that you and I are not in control of our lives, especially our futures. James chapter 4, verses 13 to 16. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. As we come before the Lord this morning to confess our sin, may we be honest and humble before him. May we truly acknowledge our need for his forgiveness and sustaining grace in our lives. Our confession of sin is printed there on your worship guide. Again, this is a call and response. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God of grace and Father of all mercies, we humble ourselves before your great majesty, against which we have frequently and grievously sinned. On Palm Sunday, the crowd shouted to Jesus, Hosanna. On Good Friday, they shouted at him, Crucify. So too, we confess that our hearts are prone to faithlessness. Lord Jesus Christ, you come to us in peace, but we shut the door of our mind against you. You come to us in humility, but we prefer our own proud ways. You come to us in judgment, but we cling to our familiar sins. You come to us in majesty, but we will not have you to reign over us. Hear us now as we make personal confession in the silence of our hearts. Take some time now for self-examination and personal confession.
great King of compassion and lover of our souls, forgive our empty praise, fill our loveless hearts, cast away our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. Come to us and make our lives your home forever. Amen. Brothers and sisters, the good news of the gospel is not that we have to just try harder to get our acts together. It's not that we need to undo all the bad we've done in the past. No, it's that Jesus Christ, our King, has already paid the penalty for our sins. He has taken our sin upon himself and promises forgiveness and freedom to all of those who trust in him alone for their salvation. Hear these words of assurance from Psalm 103. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Amen. Let's continue to worship as we sing How Firm a Foundation and the Church's One Foundation.
church is one foundation is Jesus Christ her Lord she is his new creation by water and the word from heaven he came and sought her to be his holy bride with his own blood he bought her and for her life he died elect from every nation yet one or all the earth her It's unfortunate that we are not able to be together for this portion of our service. It was such a joyous picture last year as we all waved palm branches together. And we did send out an email with a craft project for kids to make their own palm branches to wave. And big people, even if you're the only one in your house or apartment this morning, you can still join in and pretend to wave a palm branch. That's okay. But I will read the verses here. And then we will do the call and response, and we will do them each two times. And during the call and response is when we can wave our construction paper palm branches or our imaginary palm branches. The first reading is from John's Gospel, John 12, 
12 through 16. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. If we keep silent, the stones would cry out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. If we keep silent, the stones would cry out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. One thing that we try to point out quite a bit at Living Stone is how we live in this already-not-yet reality. We talk about what God has already done for us in Christ, what is already true for us as believers, and in doing so, we look back. We look to the scriptures to see God's faithfulness throughout the Old Testament to his people Israel as they looked forward and anticipated the Messiah, which we just saw in John chapter 12. But we don't only look back. We must also look forward in hope to the not yet reality of what is to come, of the promises that have not yet been fully realized, which we'll see in Revelation chapter 7. And notice in both of these passages, the king receiving the praises of his people as they wave palm branches and acknowledge who he is. Let us do the same thing as we worship our king. Revelation 7, 9 through 12. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Let us cry out with loud voices. Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. Let us cry out with loud voices, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. If you turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 6, you mean Luke 6, verses 43 to 49. Let's pray before we go to God's Word. Father, we come this morning gathered in 
many different places scattered around the area. Lord, we come hungry to hear from you, hungry to receive what you have for us in your word. And Father, though this might feel artificial in some senses, not being able to be gathered together, we trust that you are still able to speak to our hearts by your word. So Lord, we ask that you would do that this morning. God, open up our eyes to see you for who you are. God, speak clearly to our hearts and to our minds this morning through your word. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke 6, 43 to 49. Please pay attention to the reading of God's word. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil, his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house, who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it, because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. This is the word of the Lord. I wanted to begin by saying that I've decided to shorten the sermon a bit today. I did a lot of study on this passage this week. In fact, I told Lindsay last night that this could probably be four or five different sermons. And the preacher in me would love to take 45 minutes or more to unpack this, but we've had a good dose of scripture in the service so far, so I'm okay shortening things a bit. Another reason I want to do this is precisely because of the difficulty of this passage. Because of the imagery Jesus uses here, and the connection with many other passages, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, especially the parallel passages in Matthew 7, there are a lot of different applications and truths that can be gleaned. I've actually given you a list of some of these scriptures at the bottom of the third page of the worship guide, so you've got some homework to do for later this afternoon or sometime later this week. I'd encourage you to set aside an hour or more to just dig into these passages, to take some notes about how all of these things tie together and see these common themes that are scattered all across God's Word. Well, having said that there are many connections to other passages in many ways that we could apply these truths, we do have to ask the question, what exactly is Jesus teaching in this context? Meaning, in the context of this entire sermon in Luke 6, and in the immediate context of what comes just before these verses. The whole sermon, we have to remember, is about life in the kingdom of God. Jesus began with the words, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. It's also about the cost of discipleship, and there is a cost. Loving your enemies, doing good, even to those who don't treat us right, 
lending and not demanding anything in return? We saw a couple weeks ago that Jesus is presenting his followers with a reorientation or an inversion of the current world order. His promise is that the world would never be the same. And we're living in a moment where we're facing the reality that the world around us may never be the same. But that shouldn't shock us. First of all, we don't ultimately belong to this world. And second, if we are in Christ, our world has already been reoriented. We are citizens of a new kingdom, a new world order. So what does life look like in this new kingdom? That is what Jesus is going to explain to his followers here as he closes out this sermon. This imagery of two types of trees and two types of houses or builders both point us to the evidence that should be seen in the lives of those who claim to follow Jesus. So I want to ask two questions this morning. First, which type of tree are we? And second, which type of house are we? You can ask those questions individually. Which type of house am I? Which type of tree am I? So first, which type of tree am I? The first thing we have to avoid is the misconception that Jesus is teaching salvation by works here. Jesus makes that pretty clear later on in, in the Gospel of John, John chapter 15, verse 5, when he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from Jesus, you can only bear bad fruit. Apart from Jesus, you are like the cursed man in Jeremiah 17 who trusts in his own strength and who is pictured as a shrub in the desert. No life, no vegetation, no fruit. But if you are in Jesus, you are like the blessed man who trusts in the Lord who is planted by water, that sends out its roots by the stream, and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green. And it is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. Notice the parallel there between deeply rooted, the deeply rooted tree and the house built on the foundation, how it survives the storms of life. So this is not about just trying really hard and being a good person. We know that Jesus himself, when someone called him good teacher, he said, why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. But the contrast here between good fruit and bad fruit, or the good trees and the bad trees, is used to point to two different kinds of people, those whom Jesus calls good or evil. Remember I said that we need to look at these verses in their immediate context. Look at how verse 43 starts off. For. Now when a sentence starts off with therefore, we always ask, what's the therefore, therefore, right? Well, here we need to ask, what's the for, therefore? And the answer is that it's connected directly to Jesus' teaching just before this about not being a spec checker. It's about examining yourself first, about taking the log out of your own eye before you check and comment on the speck 
in your brother's eye. Self-examination is exactly what Jesus is calling for here when he's talking about the tree and its fruit. And how is the fruit immediately seen? It's seen by what comes out of our mouths. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. The end of verse 45 there. Some translations say, out of the overflow of the heart. And that's the picture here. What is in the heart will overflow out of our mouths. Well, have you ever said anything really stupid that you immediately regretted? Maybe to your spouse or to one of your children. Kids, maybe to your parents or one of your siblings. Young adults, maybe to a co-worker or to a roommate. Have you ever wished you could have those words back? Maybe your immediate thought was, that's not who I really am. Or maybe you thought, man, what I just said might reveal who I really am. Jesus' words regarding self-examination and our speech are so piercing because apart from God, only we know what is in our own heart. Only we know what kind of heart our words are overflowing from. Being a Christian doesn't mean you never say hurtful things to other people. Being a Christian means that you are like a tree that was dead and rotting, that always said hurtful things to other people. And now, by the grace of God, you have been replanted and your roots are now buried down deep into the soil of the kingdom of God and no longer in the kingdom of this world. And now, when hurtful words come out of your mouth that don't match your profession of faith in Jesus, you are grieved and you repent and you ask for forgiveness from the person you sinned against because that is not the way a child of God ought to speak. So which kind of tree are we? Jesus is now going to wrap up the entire sermon with a final dramatic picture, that of two types of houses. And again, we must we must ask, which type of house am I? Notice the connection here between verses 45 and 46. They are, connected, they are connected by the words speaks and call. The bad tree, which produces bad fruit, is the heart that speaks out of the evil treasure and calls Jesus Lord, Lord, but does not do what he tells them. We've got a phrase for this. We might say someone is Christian in name only, meaning that they might claim to be a follower of Jesus. They might have spotless church attendance, but their lives don't walk the talk. And Jesus doesn't pull any punches here. He is crystal clear about what is expected of those who claim to be his followers. The clear distinction between the two types of people, those who say, Lord, Lord, and those who, in verse 47, come to Jesus, hear his words, and do them, is described in this picture of two types of builders. The first one digs deep and lays his foundation on the bedrock. It's not going anywhere. The second chooses to take a shortcut, thinking that he knows better. He's like the guy who watches all the Bob Vila videos and then thinks he knows better than Bob Vila and does 
things his own way. That's a bad call. Now, I love to build things, and I've got a little experience building houses. Let me tell you, the plans are in place for a reason. The experts have done their research for a reason. Houses aren't meant to just be slapped together in any old way. The builders of houses in Jesus' day were no fools. There were time-tested ways to ensure that houses didn't collapse under adverse conditions. And Jesus' warning is to not be the one who hears his words and doesn't do them like the foolish builder. In Matthew chapter 7, the parallel passage, Jesus refers to the wise builder and the foolish builder. Don't be the foolish builder. Do you know why? Because the flood is coming. And this sermon of Jesus here in Luke 6, this sermon started off with a picture of the flood coming. Blessed are you who are poor and hungry now and who weep now. You who are hated and excluded and reviled and spurned as evil on Jesus' account. The flood is coming from the world around you, Christian. But rejoice and leap for joy because your reward is great in heaven. That's the first house. Look with me in the second half of verse 48. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. So be the wise builder. The beginning of the sermon continued, But woe to you who are rich and full now and who laugh now and when others speak well of you. You won't be able to stop the flood. It will break against your house and it will fall immediately and the ruin of your house will be great. One commentator says, The second builder seems to think that bright and sunny days will never cease. The second builder seems to think that bright and sunny days will never cease. I'll let you chew on that one on your own. But what a striking indictment of misplaced confidence, especially in our day. So which house or which builder are we? Again, Jesus is speaking in parabolic terms here. We are not ultimately the builders of our own lives. Christ is our firm foundation, as we've already sung this morning. He is also the master gardener who uproots our old lives and replants us in the good soil of God's kingdom. And acknowledging that doesn't minimize his demands here in this passage. In fact, just the opposite. It allows us to say, praise God that by his grace, he has made me a new creation in Christ. He has replanted me. He has set me on a firm foundation. Why would I not want to produce good fruit and honor him with my life? Why would I not want the unshakable stability of knowing that my house will not collapse when the floodwaters of life rage against it? Glory be to God for what he has done for us in Christ. We can look back with all of the saints who have gone before us and shout, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, 
even the king of Israel. And we can look forward to that day when we will be gathered with the innumerable ones whom Christ has redeemed by his blood from every nation and tribe and people and language. And we will stand before the throne of God and before the Lamb, and we will cry out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And brothers and sisters, I promise you, there is no flood, no earthquake, no drought, no virus, no financial crisis that will ever be able to take that hope away from us or to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we need this reminder so much. We need this reminder of what you have done to replant us, to uproot our lives, to uproot our, our old lives from the nasty soil of this world and to replant us in the good soil of the kingdom of God. We need to be reminded that our lives are built on the rock that our houses will stand firm because of Jesus. This is not of our own doing. But Lord, the cost of discipleship is high. The demands that are on our lives are serious demands. God, it is by your spirit alone that we can live this way, that we can produce good fruit, that we can be like the good and wise builder. Father, help us as it feels for many of us right now like the floodwaters of the world, the floodwaters of life are just crashing against our house. Remind us that we stand strong, not by our own works, God, but by your grace. Remind us that nothing, nothing can separate us from your love in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. I said earlier regarding the Palm Sunday readings and palm waving that it was unfortunate that we are not able to be together for that portion of our service. How much more for the Lord's Supper? I believe that in both of our congregational Zoom check-in times, this topic has come up. How much we miss being together to break bread together and celebrate the Lord's Supper as a family. Yet it is something that we cannot now participate in together. I sent an email on Friday with a link to an article from Scott Swain, one of my seminary professors from RTS Orlando. He makes the argument, which we hold to, that we should not live stream the Lord's Supper or participate apart from our corporate worship gathering during this time. For now, the path to participating in the Lord's Supper is closed to all of us. And he wisely says, for now, we are not called to feast, but to fast. So let us read this prayer of longing for the Lord's Supper together as we contemplate fasting instead of feasting. Lord Jesus, our hearts brim with longing today. We long for one another, for the day when we might gather again as your body around your table of grace. We long for your table, spread out for us in this wilderness, where we feast upon the abundance of your house 
and drink from the river of your delights. We long for you, for your presence that is ours in the supper. It is your body broken and your blood poured out that alone can strengthen our hearts and satisfy our thirst. But until the day of our joyous reunion, teach us to lament this absence in our lives. Teach us to long for you, for your church, for your kingdom, and for the day of your coming again. For on that day you have promised to lead us up the mountain of God, where we will partake with you a banquet of rich foods prepared for all peoples. We pray this in the name of him who is the bread of heaven and the cup of salvation. Amen. Dr. Swain closes his article with these words. Our present fast from the Lord's Supper is necessary but lamentable. Our present fast is also an opportunity to cultivate a single-minded longing for the Lord and for his people that will make our feasting at the Lord's table all the more joyous when the time of our fast comes to an end. We will feast in the house of Zion. We will feast in the house of Zion is a reference to a Sandra McCracken song that will be in our new songbook. So we're going to introduce you to that song this morning. Many of you already know this song, uh, but if you don't yet, you will. Uh, this is a great reminder of our future hope. So let us sing together as we close the service. And until we meet again, may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let us sing together.
Stop. 